Welcome to Dear 20-something. I'm Erica, the host of this podcast, and I'm so excited to have you here. A bit about me, I'm a 20-something social entrepreneur and investor who is navigating the ups and downs of being in my 20s. The Dear 20-something podcast started because we wanted to create a space for ambitious and curious 20-somethings to connect with the successful changemakers they most look up to. While the 20s can be a time full of questions and doubts, we're here to humanize the whole thing. You'll hear from successful trailblazers who will share the highs and lows of their 20s, and you'll also get words of wisdom from some experts who will speak on a certain topic relevant for 20-somethings. And then sometimes it'll just be me on the mic hosting an episode where I share a recent reflection or story from my own life as I too am navigating this wild decade. We're so happy to have you here. Let's get started. All right. So today on the solo episode, I will be sharing tips on how to break into venture capital. If that is something that you are hoping to do, I'll share some tips I have. Um, I'll actually start with like, why would you even want to break in or who's a fit for a job in venture? And then I'll share several tips from friends of mine in the ecosystem who I asked to give some advice and I got some great answers. So I'll share those with you as well, because obviously I do not have all the answers and I wanted to go to the experts. All right, so let's dive in. So also apologies, I'm like slightly under the weather. So (laughs) if I sound a little congested, that is why. So first piece is why would someone want to break into venture? You might be listening to this and be like, you know, I hear people talk about venture capital, but I don't know why someone would want to do it. What are the perks? What are the reasons? In my honest opinion, I think it appears a lot more sexy than it is these days. It's like really having a cool moment. I think a lot of careers have their moment and their shine. I think venture capital right now is one of those. I mean, some would want to break in because they ideally want to back the future of the next great companies. And they really like working with founders who are building the next great companies. And they think for whatever reason, they have good judgment, whether they have a good gut instinct, whether they really understand a certain sector, whether they are very financially intelligent and they're able to evaluate companies. Hopefully they feel like they have some sort of edge or they want to learn how to have an edge. I think another reason people glamorize venture capital and want to break in is just because there are so few spots. And so natural supply demand means it'll be more coveted. As an example, Thrive Capital, I think, has an investing team of like, I don't know, has to be less than 20 people. And they manage billions of dollars. What ends up happening is like, you can deploy a lot of capital with very few people. And so there's single digits, if not low double digits of people on an investing team. And then Spots don't open up all the time if people especially want to stay there for years. So I think that's also why. It's just because there's just so few spots. And that's why people get even more excited about it than maybe another career path that could be just as rewarding. Another common question I get asked is like, who is a fit for working in venture? And the short answer is really anyone. There are so many different roles in venture. So everyone knows that there are investors. That is like the most common role. But there's also platform which is basically the founder-facing side, the internal-facing side of venture capital. There's a lot of administrative roles, operational roles. There's even some niche roles. Like There are some funds that if you're an amazing, let's say, software engineer, an amazing product designer, or an amazing lawyer, actually, and I've worked at different startups on the GC, you can be like an operating partner and you can help portfolio companies and founders with that specific thing that you know a lot about. One of my friends, she runs product at Contrary Capital and she was a product leader at startups previously. So, you know, she can build product for both Contrary and help the portfolio companies. So 
it really is very, very widespread in terms of backgrounds you can have. One of my friends, you guys all met her, Jenna Birch, a few episodes ago. She was a journalist. She was an author. And then she found her way into venture capital because she ran the PR slash comms slash content for several funds and just became an expert at that and was naturally so good at storytelling. So it just made sense. So it really is for anyone. And you just have to find the role that is a fit for your background and the fund that is a fit for your background. So every fund has their own specialty. You know, on the PR note, some funds, that's really all they provide their founders is just PR support. So they're naturally going to be hiring more people that specialize in that. Some funds are extremely technical and they really care about having former founders that are really technical or software engineers on their team. So it just really depends. So these are some of my tips I'll walk through now and then I want to share what other people have said. So the first tip is really figuring out if you want to be on the investing side or the operating side and identifying which role is the right fit for you based on number of years of experience. So you might be 10 years into your career, but never have invested before. You probably aren't going to come in as a partner unless you've built incredible companies. You might. You might have to come in a little bit lower on the totem pole if you haven't done the investing side. And then similarly on the operating side, like if you haven't operated before and you've just been an investor and you want to maybe switch sides, you might not be able to come in running the show and being the COO. You might have to work your way up too. But I would say like very high level, the hierarchy goes like on the investing side, analyst, associate, senior associate, principal, sometimes like a vice president and then partner. And then on the operating side, it really, really varies. I have friends that are anywhere from like a platform associate, community manager, operations associate, like those kinds of titles, all the way up to like a VP of platform, head of platform, director of talent, head of community, head of events, operating partner. Those are going to be more on the top end, but it's so different by firm. So you really just have to like know the culture. Chief of staff is also one of those where it can really go any which way. Sometimes you're a chief of staff for the fund and that's more of an operational role. Sometimes you're a chief of staff for an actual partner and you're it's more of like an executive assistant type role. Again, it's so dependent on the firm. Another piece of advice is if you want to be on the investing side or eventually want to be on the investing side, it's never too early to form your own point of view on where the world is going, what your area of expertise is, even just what you're currently passionate about and what you find gets you excited. You don't have to be an expert today, but I just think forming that opinion and forming those areas of interest early is really important. Staying up to date on great companies in those areas, like going to events to meet people that are building in those areas, all of that only helps and it's never too early. You can start following the funds and investors on Twitter who are excited about those general areas. You just want to be up to date on the news, on the happenings, immerse yourself in it. I think, honestly, a lot of it really just does go down on Twitter because that's where you have a lot of VCs and journalists. And so that combined means that you're going to see a lot of news. I would say that's just really important if you want to be on the investing side. On the platform side, which as a reminder is kind of the post-investment operational side, It is important to stay up to date on the news, but it's a little less important to have your own point of view because your job is more operational and it's more about building community and it's more about hiring people and throwing events and administrative stuff. It's it's not as much about like being your own unique individual. And so it's more about supporting the fund. So I would say it's good to stay up to date always on what's happening, but it's less important on the post-investment side, which we call platform. 
If you haven't already been an operator before at a big company or a small startup, you should be before you go into venture capital. I think most firms are pretty fast paced. And so I would I would imagine it would be in your interest to go be in an operating role before you join the post-investment side of venture capital, but to each their own. But I would say that's my that's my piece of advice is just I wouldn't have that be your like first operating job out of school. I would like go work for a company. I think one thing I've found a lot of my platform friends and I have chatted about is just the importance of having some experience seeing a company be built or building a company yourself so that you know what the founder experience is like. It's really hard to serve people that you maybe don't know much about or haven't experienced. And I think the more that you can go work for a startup or build your own startup, if you want to go into the post-investment operating side of things, the better. Because you will, let's say you hop on with some founder that your fund is invested in and they're asking you, okay, so like who are our, you know, our first five hires? Who should they be? And you're allowed to say, of course, I don't know. Let me look into that. But you should also be like, oh yeah, from my experience, maybe it's X, Y, or Z, but I'll look into that for you. Or if they say, hey, I need help with a product designer role. You should know kind of what that is. And I think it's hard to know that if you haven't already seen it. Awesome. Okay. So here are just some like miscellaneous additional tips. I think if you're not sure what side you want to be on, or if you like working at a startup, I would actually recommend going to a smaller fund. There tends to be more blurred lines between roles. And I think that that's really important for people that like at least for me, I had operating experience, but I wanted to see the investing side and be part of the investing side. And that was only really going to happen if I went to a smaller fund. Um, and I was able to kind of see both sides or all sides actually. At the larger funds, everyone's very much doing the role that they signed up for, for the most part. And so I would say like if you are excited about exploring this world, maybe starting in a smaller fund isn't a bad idea. Then again, a lot of the larger funds carry more cachet and more brand recognition, right? So that's why some people want to go work for Google as opposed to a small tech startup. So there's trade-offs, obviously. It's very similar in venture capital. But the amount of assets under management, I would say, is really important. A smaller fund will probably be less than $100 million in AUM or less than maybe 250 AUM. Once you get above that, like above $500 million in AUM, it starts to become a larger firm. And again, it's the, none of these are even really that large. It's more just in terms of AUM. But number of employees is always quite small. Another piece of advice is it never hurts to have a personal brand. I think this is so, so, so important because it'll help you get in and noticed with a lot of the movers and shakers. And if you really do make it in venture capital, having somewhat of a personal brand, this doesn't even need to be an online presence. This can be an offline personal brand. But having some strong personal brand is really going to help. People can then send you deals that they associate with you. This whole industry is about relationships and about reputation. And I think the earlier you build that, the better. I think the easiest way to build it is online. The quickest way to build it is online. And so whether that's posting on Twitter, starting a newsletter about an area you're excited about, starting a podcast, and then inviting people on that are really like movers and shakers in the space, whatever that looks like for you, I just think getting clear on what you stand for and who you are is really important. And I've found that it has really helped me. I'm speaking from personal experience. People started to learn about my point of view and would follow me that I could have only dreamed of. And I really feel like if I had been so secretive and under the radar, it would have happened much slower for me. And also don't be afraid. I felt like I didn't know anything. And I was like, I'm certainly not an expert in anything. Why would I post? But 
we're all learning and that's part of it is like you're posting your learnings, you're posting your thoughts and of course never being malicious, never saying anything that could be taken out of context and then you can't go wrong. Always tell the truth, always be authentically you and then the right people will find you and the right funds will find you. So, and the right founders, which is the most important part. Another tip is that there are certain people on Twitter who post about VC jobs. Nicole DeTomaso at Harlem, she's the best. She posts all venture capital roles on like a weekly or every other week basis. I'm not sure, but she's a great person to follow if you want to see what roles are coming out. Ali Mullen posts great VC roles when they're on the platform side. So she doesn't post any investing roles, I don't think, but she'll post a lot of the operational roles. And then just in general, like a tip is that when people are hiring in the world of venture, they're going to post it on Twitter as like a post. It's not going to be like a LinkedIn job. It's not going to be on Indeed. It's not going to be like a traditional post from what I've seen. Now, of course, very, very senior talent, they will usually go through like a headhunter and like it'll be from friends of friends and that's different. But I'm talking to people that like want to break into the industry. If I were you, like I would just follow a lot of the people that like I said earlier, are doing the things you're excited about and see when they post, hey, I'm hiring. As an example, one of my friends, Wiz at Space Cadet, posted on Twitter today a job description for a principal. And that was just on Twitter. Like, I don't think he posted that. He might have posted it on LinkedIn, but not as a LinkedIn job. So that's just my advice is like, even if you're not posting on Twitter yet because you wanna, you're not comfortable with that, you should be following the people and like just seeing who's hiring or typing in the word hiring on the search bar. Another tip is that there are seasons in venture capital when they're on and when they're off. And no one really talks about this, but basically like July and August are very slow. A lot of people are on vacation, uh, people as in venture capitalists. And even if they're not gone all of July and August, they're gone, you know, each person is gone for a week or two weeks at a time throughout those couple months. So July and August are very slow. And then November and December are quite slow for the holidays. And there's a lot of people that will take off Thanksgiving through New Year's. So one thing to know too, in terms of when new jobs will get posted, I would say there's probably like a wave in September. There's probably like a wave in January, February, March. But you kind of got to hit the waves of when people are like back and reevaluating budget. Now, of course, it's going to be so different by firm. But I just think in general, it is good to know when there's like off season and on season. The other final tip I have, and then I'll share from some other folks, is don't underestimate cold email. And you know I'm going to say this because it's so important, but that is how I broke into venture. And if you can send a very thoughtful cold email, highlighting interesting companies you're excited about, highlighting who your network already is, you would be surprised at how far it can get you. Again, like I said, that's how I got in. One of my friends, Robin at Andreessen, he's on the games team. He posted about his cold email that got him a job at Andreessen. This is not uncommon. Like I hear this all the time that that is how people get in. And the beauty of venture capital is it's a lot of founders who like appreciate grit, appreciate hustle, appreciate a good cold email. And so don't feel like just because you don't have any connections, you can't break in. I literally had none, <laughs> absolutely none. But you slowly work your way there and eventually it will compound and it's inevitable. This industry is too small. Like people all talk, they all know each other. So if you, if you work the system enough, it'll happen for you. Okay, so now I'm going to pull up some of the tips my friends gave. One of my friends, Patrick Driscoll, he is a partner at Chasing Rainbows, which 
such a great name. They invest in LGBTQ plus founded companies. So the founders are part of the queer community. So he listed out 11 great, great tips, which I'll share with you now. Number one, figure out your superpower differentiator. Number two, get in as an operator, platform, portfolio, support, marketing, et cetera. Number three, network your face off. Four, check out venture scout and venture partner programs. Five, send deals to funds you'd like to impress work with. Make sure you send a deal memo and due diligence. Six, look into VC education programs like VC University, 500s, VCU, etc. Read and follow John Gannon's blog. Eight, read the books Venture Deals and Breaking into VC. Nine, find a mentor that you can relate with who has broken in already. Hopefully for you guys, that can be this podcast. (laughs) 10, engage with the VC community on socials and listen to podcasts. And 11, don't give up. It took me almost half a decade to get where I am. So that was Patrick. He's the very best and I would take his advice. I agree with every piece he said there. Okay, then we have my friend Connie, who's also awesome. And she runs a fund. She's the partner at a fund called Farmhand Ventures. They do ag tech. And she said, potentially hot take, but don't try to break into VC unless you truly believe the best way you can solve the problems in the world you want to see solved is through resource allocation. If that is the best way for you to create impact, then really understand that set of problems and figure out how to keep learning about it. If you do that, then you'll be an asset for every VC firm investing in that problem area and then still all the relationship networking stuff that everyone else will say will be necessary. I think she is spot on. There are a lot of ways to create impact. Even just building a great company is amazing. It doesn't have to be through venture capital. So great advice from Connie. Alex Pattis, who is at Riverside, one of, I think they're one of the biggest syndicates on AngelList. They are very big. He said, and he's obviously biased because he does syndicates, but do SPVs on the side of your day job to show you can source deals. Get deal by deal capital commitments from LPs and invest in great companies founders. Personally, this helped me get into VC, build a portfolio, and ultimately raise a small micro fund. I also know tons of folks in VC or who now have their own fund that went this route. I think that is great advice. I think that takes a while, though. It takes a while. And SPVs in a market like this are really, really hard. SPVs are basically, they're called like special purpose vehicles. They're basically like, think of them as like small allocations that founders can give to people and that they can fill up themselves. So as an example, if someone you know, lets me do an SPV, I can then pass it off to my 20 friends who can write smaller checks into my SPV. And then it's just one line item for the founder. It's really hard to get those filled during a recession. And there's like a whole conversation I'll do on another podcast about like the economics of investing in funds versus syndicates and SPVs because I don't actually agree that it's always the best for the investor. So we'll talk about that another time. John gave great advice. He said, John Gary, who's another GP at Gary Elevator, which is a great name. He said, pick partners, not funds. So I think that's also very true with not just for founders when they're picking who they want to take money from as an investment, but also when you're looking to work at a company and a fund, you should pick a partner you want to work with. Let's see who else. Okay, another piece of advice came from my friend Ariane Giskai. And He also runs a fund called Earthling. 
And he said, leverage your operator experience to craft a pretty open investment thesis. Write angel checks, build network with adjacent VCs and founders, write more checks and share deals with your network, refine thesis, rinse and repeat. Do this persistently and you'll have opportunities. It's great advice, similar to what we've been saying. Okay, and then the last one that I'm going to share is Shriya Navatia. She is a principal at the Council Fund and she gave lots of advice. So she said, in bullet form. She said all these things. Put yourself in a position to see lots of early stage startups, run or help with an accelerator, founder community program, etc. Start writing 1K angel checks once you've seen over a thousand companies and or feel financially able. Support and work with those founders before and after. Reach out to investors who are aligned with those company stages and industries to tell them about these opportunities. Example, help the founders raise angel, pre-seed or seed rounds. Through these relationships, try to get any part-time role helping a fund to see how it works. After a few years of this, you will have the relationships, track record, and knowledge necessary to get a full-time role in VC, and you will figure out if that's actually what you want or not. I think that's great. I think what's hard is there's usually not a lot of part-time roles at funds. I think there needs to be more, especially for folks that are breaking in. Funds will often do fractional consulting work with people that have a lot of experience, but I love that advice. I just wish there were more part-time roles. Anyway, so that's my tips. I hope this is helpful. Another piece I actually didn't mention, but I I should just say is like the importance of picking the right city. Not everyone is going to agree with me on this, but I do think it really helps to be in one of the major cities where tech is happening. In-person events, the best founders, all that good stuff. So for me, SF and New York are the top two. And then you definitely have some ecosystems in LA, Austin, Miami, Boston, Chicago, There's other places where there's definitely Seattle has a small ecosystem. So you can definitely make it work in those other cities. But I would say go to SF or New York if you really want to break in. So anyway, hope that was helpful. Feel free to DM me if you have any additional questions and best of luck. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dear 20-something. If you enjoyed it, you can give us a follow over at Dear 20-something on Instagram or subscribe here or anywhere you get podcasts.